Oh? So not only does this guy make absolutely banger movie soundtracks, but now he makes the banger movies themselves too? Looks like we've got ourselves a regular John Carpenter here. Now I know it's sacrilege to compare almost anyone to the lord and savior John Carpenter, but the mentioning seemed appropriate enough considering the musical and visual talents of the two men and the macabre mantra stylings of Michael Giacchino in his first directorial outing. I had meant to check out Werewolf by Night last year when it first came out, but my ever-increasing amounts of Marvel burnout prevented me from ever really getting around to it. That's the problem with streaming, I think. It's always there, so there's never really any sense of urgency or finality to it. It's always an eventually thing, even for series or films that I might actually be excited about. The process of getting started with whatever is waiting for me on my laptop or my smart device or whatever it is. It's just that. A process. So not only has it been reduced to a substandard format with me being completely unable to see whatever majesty awaits me on a big screen, but the actual watching of the thing has now turned from a pleasurable experience to a foreboding chore of sorts. Which kind of sucks. Actually no, not kind of, it does suck. But the best shows are able to escape these shackles of requirement that seem to be inherent to the streaming platforms. And for me at least, Werewolf by Night was one of those shows. The familiar Marvel card starts playing with the trumpets of its iconic fanfare rising. And as it morphed to black and white with the clawing slashes cutting through the card as the deep, dark notes of the brass cut through the familiar music that we know so well, I was completely sold. Really, that was all it took. I was bought in even more when that sort of radio static audio log style of narration started us off and caught us up on all the Bloodstone lore we'd need to know to be able to understand this story. We're with Jack as he arrives at the Bloodstone grounds and just the way the camera followed him into the building, how the camera showed us the geography of the room and the various set dressings that made up Bloodstone Manor, I knew this would be different from what I've come to know and expect from Marvel. Because the way all of this was done, it felt like someone had something that they wanted to do. They had a vision in their head for how this story would come to life on the screen in black and white, and they were actually allowed to realize that vision. It wasn't just another recently rewritten scene in a long list of recently rewritten scenes that they needed to get coverage for. And maybe it's just because Giacchino does the music for like half their properties at this point, so they have to let him do it. Or maybe it's because they had nothing to lose with this no-name property, but Marvel actually let someone have a sense of style and tone. They let someone have distinguishing features to separate them from the other thousands of hours of film and television shows that at this point have grown nearly indistinguishable from one another. This no-name property got more of a reaction out of me during a transitional scene than pretty much anything else from 90% of the other series released on Disney+. As the entry ceremony took place and that blaring horn repeated its solitary yet infrequent proclamation, I was so into it. And when the camera pans up to reveal that a goddamn labyrinth is the setting where the monster hunt is going to take place in, I was almost ready to jump out of my seat and start screaming and cheering like the New York Giants had magically become a real football team again and managed to score a touchdown. It was just so dope to feel that way about superhero media again. Though it probably is because it's closer to a classic monster movie than a Marvel movie, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? Marvel can be a framework for so much more. It's window dressing, it's a sandbox for creatives to play in, but it seems like so very often Marvel is afraid of letting those creatives they hire do much of anything with their sand. They want them to paint by the numbers that have already been laid out, to build their predetermined Lego set like they're a very sad, overproduced version of President Business or whatever the name of the guy Will Ferrell played in the Lego movie was. So when the creatives are allowed to truly create, to put something they really care about on the screen, look what we get. We get a sick setting for a monster hunt, a maze that felt so real and physical, unlike most of what you see even in the theatrical MCU recently. You get practical effects for a werewolf that not only pay homage to classic monster movies, but also look really f 
good, both when stationary and when in a fantastically choreographed action scene. We get actual gore and more mature content, unlike the absolute airball that were the false promises of one Moon Knight. We get a squid monster that's basically like a cute baby Cthulhu. Ted rocks. We get black and white. We get black and white. And it's used in a way to really play with so many of the scenes. Lighting is used superbly well throughout Werewolf by Night to take advantage of its monochromatic palette. Shadows and backlights and overhead sources are all so thoughtfully placed and utilized throughout the hour-long special that you never want to look away, even for a second. The eventual transformation scene, the wandering moments in the garden maze, the ominous and threatening flickers of light from torches and electric light alike throughout the film, all of it is so alive and feels like we've been taken back in time to a different era of storytelling. But most importantly, beyond all of that stuff, which is great, Werewolf by Night is just an entertaining watch. It keeps you invested. Hell, it kept me so invested in the promise of a competitive and Hunger Games-style monster hunt that I completely forgot there was no indication of werewolves anywhere in the story for so long, despite them being mentioned in the title. So the twist that you probably could have guessed a mile away feels more like a pleasant surprise or a story enhancer than it does a request. Requirement. The story itself also covers some very surface-level themes of nature versus nurture and what it might mean to hunt something that truly has no desire to be malevolent, despite how it may be perceived. Nothing that hasn't really been covered before, but the ideas are there, and that should be appreciated. Themes are more of a rarity than they should be nowadays. The main roles are also all played well, with Elsa and Jack each being rather charming. The villain is pretty standard fare, but you're excited to see them lose. I also love Ted, and I love the practicality and palpability of it all. The vibes, the music, the atmosphere, the eeriness of this underbelly beyond the usual for Marvel. I really recommend checking this out. I feel like it flew completely under the radar last year. I'm super excited to see what Giacchino cooks up next, and if this is anything to go by, he seems like he's right up my alley. I'll give Werewolf by Night 3.5 out of 5 stars. It's just a fun and solid Halloween watch, so I can't really recommend it enough. Until next time.